0: If will instance in the Hi Sunshine, I'm Natasha, your host of the Shine Online podcast and the CEO at Shine with Natasha, where I specialize in Instagram strategy and video storytelling. In this conversational podcast, I interview the brightest entrepreneurs I know and share my best Instagram strategies with the goal of empowering you to do business in a way that feels real to you. These conversations will bring you no fluff advice, honest conversations, and actionable strategies to help you shine online. There are so many bright brands in the online world, but there's always room for one more. Let's shine together. Thank you for joining me today, Audrey. I'm excited to talk about launching and have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to be here. (laughs) Okay. So I was like thinking and I'm like, I don't even know how you got into launching. So like, can we like take it back down memory lane? Like, what is your background? How did you get into like this launching world and like to where you are now in your business? Well, it is a great story. So I'm glad you
1: asked. Um, I started my career in the nonprofit world. My degree is actually in music. So my first five and a half years of my career were in the music industry, you know, working at a pretty small nonprofit. We had maybe about 20 full-time employees and, you know, it was do all the things that like, if you want to get set up for a small business life, like nonprofit is a great place to get started. Cause I. Did marketing. I did front end coding. I did event management. I like did catering. I like I did rent. I did live streaming. Like, I did like all of this stuff. We threw a conference every year. I mean, like the random things that were in my portfolio really kind of set the rest of my career up for success. After about five years there, I was so burnt out. I was trying to find my next step, and I had all of these skills. I was like a very strong generalist. And I had no idea how to translate that into a corporate job or a tech job or any other job. It was like, no one is interviewing me. No one wants to hire me. And I just, I need, I need something different. I was working with a recruiter and, you know, whatever, all of that sort of stuff. And one day I had jury duty and I was like sitting in the holding room all day. I never got called. I got released. Thank goodness. But I was, you know, sitting, scrolling on Instagram And I saw this story for Marie Forleo saying that she was hiring an assistant. And I had been kind of looking at executive assistant jobs because I had wanted to eventually be in like a director of ops or COO, chief operating officer type role. And if you're an executive assistant for the right person, that can actually be a really great springboard to that. So I, on a whim, I just applied. It was a Google form. It was up for 24 hours. It's like, you know, what could happen? And I got an interview and my interview went really well. And then I get an email from her VP of business ops who had interviewed me and said, Hey, can you chat later today? Do you have some time? And I said, yeah, sure. So she called me and, you know, started the conversation off with, okay, we really liked you, but you know, we don't think you're the right fit for an executive assistant. We think you'd be great in marketing on our team. But I'm not hiring for that role right now, but I might be in a couple months. So can we just chat for a little while? I said sure. We talked for like half hour, and we talked about Pinterest, and we talked about like all these different strategies. Was end of 2017, so like I had just bought Jenna Kutcher's Pinterest marketing course and had like just taken it. Thank goodness, you know, and like just all these like little things that had come into life. And by the end of the phone call, she said, "Okay, I know I said." I wasn't hiring, but I feel like I need to hire you. Can like, when can you start? And I was like, oh, (laughs) okay. Like totally unprepared for that. And so I put in my notice and I started working um, just as a contractor part-time in January. And I had some other freelance work I supplemented it with. And you know, I had followed Marie for a little while, but I didn't feel super immersed in the online business world and didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And for those of you who are listening and follow Marie, you know, January is like right before B-School. So I literally started right as B-School launch was ramping up. And I just, you know, saw everyone's like tasks, what was going on and you know, everyone's Slack messages. And I was like, what is this thing? It's like, <laughs> no idea how many people were inside, what the potential revenue was. Okay. Like, no idea. So that was kind
0: of how I fell into this. Oh my gosh. That was it. I can't, I can't believe I didn't know. That's how you started working with Marie. Like, did you feel like you were literally in like a different universe? Like that's oh, yeah. what it sounded like. Cause you were like new to this online business world and to enter in that way. I mean, it probably was nuts, right?
1: Oh yeah. And you know, for me, I impact has always been really important to me. I'm very mission and values driven as a person. And I had never gotten that from the nonprofit that I worked at. Like, we did really great things, but, you know, it didn't feel like we were necessarily moving the world forward or anything. And I remember saying to my mom, I have seen more positive impact in three months from working at this highly profitable, like, for profit company that charges $2,000 for this online course than I saw in five years working in nonprofit. And I was like, okay, maybe this is. A better fit for me. And it just kind
0: of went from there. Wow. That is awesome. And I feel like I, that kind of leads us into like, what was it like in that role? Cause of course that grew, I know you worked full time for her eventually. Mm-hmm. So like, what did that look like launching with her? Like kind of just give us a little bit of a glimpse because I think, I think like it kind of felt like it used to be a secret when we saw like these big honchos and online business Mm -hmm. doing their launches. But I think now we all know like, oh, they're like launching right now, but like we have no clue what really goes into it. So can you kind of just like give us a glimpse? Well, I can tell you that the energy
1: is like on fire. I have never felt so hyped up in my entire life than when we were in launch mode on that team. So it was like constant encouragement, constant support, constant, like, we can do this. We know this is really hard. It'll be over in six weeks. It's going to be okay. You know, (laughs) I think the biggest thing that a lot of people don't understand is how much preparation goes into it. B-School at that time you know, the like had a free content series that went out like the beginning of February into a webinar late in February, and then on sale the latter half of the month. And I mean, prep started for that the summer before, I mean, it's just, and not like super intense prep, but planning started in the summer and really ramped up in the fall and January was like all hands on deck. Like we would come back from Christmas and it was just, we, we got two weeks off over the holiday break. And we would come back and it was just like boots to the ground. Nobody takes time off between when we came back and when B-School is over. And it's just, it's, everybody is working towards the common goal of this being the biggest, best launch ever. And it was every single time, like, you know, we would grow and it's a testament to all of the effort that the team puts into it. You know, I think there's a lot of misconception or misunderstanding that, oh, somebody just has a big audience. They just of course they're getting all these sales, but there is a lot of work and analysis and iteration and thought that goes into every single one of those launches It they, it is very well deserved how successful they are.
0: Yeah. And I think that's such a great point of, I think that people assume when you get to a certain level, that things just become easier when it comes to making sales. But I think people to understand that there truly has to be an intense amount of infrastructure and planning and preparation and support to even like get it off the ground. It's so much more complicated.
1: I I remember the first time I did QA with them and, you know, we were testing and the spreadsheet. Of every single thing that tested. And and at the time, you know, a lot of Marie's stuff is custom. She's been doing this for so long. Like she's been doing this from before Kajabi existed, you know, so there was no Kajabi. So a lot of what she was doing was custom. So we had to do an extensive amount of testing that involved 10 different people doing 10 different versions of different credit cards or mobile, Android, iPhone, you know, Mac versus PC, you know, like we tested every single thing. And you know, that's not necessarily something I recommend to my clients who are on a smaller scale, but when you have hundreds of thousands of people who might be seeing what you're doing, you need to do that level of testing because especially for she has a massive international audience. Things cannot be broken while we're asleep, you know, like the ship has to keep moving. So it's, it honestly becomes much more complicated the bigger you get because you start to do more advanced techniques and more advertising and more, more everything and more people and more teams. So you, you leverage
0: that to make sure that everyone has a good experience, both customers and your team. Definitely. And I think that's an important component of launching that a lot of people don't really think about. And I want to kind of like transition to like launching for just us regular Joes (laughs) (laughs) that maybe aren't at our seven figure, eight figure launches yet. What do you think are some of the most common mistakes you see when business owners are maybe starting out when it comes to launching, or maybe they're starting to like scale their launch and they're like, okay, I want to do more fancy things. I want to have more team members involved. I want to do this webinar with this, this funnel. Like what are some common mistakes that you're seeing? Doing too much. Like that is the biggest common mistake. If you have a really good launch
1: and you bring in a lot of extra revenue, the thought is like, oh my gosh, I'm going to reinvest all of that and hire three people to help me with my next launch. And we're going to do 12 new things and all of this. And that's just a recipe for things to go wrong and for things to just become overwhelming for you and stressful. And in my opinion, you're better off taking that launch that went really well tweaking one or two things and maybe adding one thing for the next launch if you're gonna launch something for the next five years you've got five years of launches to get to that big point and you don't want to spoil all of the fun stuff now add little things here or there find the things that will be most impactful there's a lot of digital products now there's a lot of people launching now so do, the one thing that's going to set you apart, that's going to be unique, that's going to be special. And that is in your zone of genius. You know, if you are not really comfortable with tech, do not do a launch that has a lot of complicated automations and Zapier connections. If that stresses you out and that's not something you're comfortable managing, if if you are still a smaller creator, because inevitably something will break during your launch, because that is Moore's law. Is that the right law of what it is?
0: You know, <laughs> right. like,
1: like something it's going to, it's going to just go wrong. So yeah, do do things that make you happy. You know, there's so much conversation around, you know, definitely do your email and like, don't lean so much on Instagram, but you know, for you, I know you of course leverage a lot of email, but like Instagram is your zone of genius to not maximize that and leverage that is a huge missed opportunity. So take everything that everyone else is saying with a grain of salt and do what's best for you in your business, because that's, what's going to lead you to the most success.
0: Absolutely. I, I, I definitely think that's something a lot of people struggle with is they think they need to do more to see better results. And I think it's because they see those really big launches that we were just talking about and thinks that's what they need to be doing, but could you probably argue that like you sometimes don't need to reinvent the wheel once you maybe find something that works. Like if you think webinars have always worked really well or challenges have worked really well, like do you always need to recreate it or can you kind of launch the same way every time I just, just
1: keep relaunching the same way. I mean, tweak it. Don't do exactly the same thing every single yep. time. There are always ways to iterate and improve and optimize, but in theory, if you are doing things the right way, you should have totally new people between launch A and launch B who did not see what you did the first time, you know? So reshare that with them. Or, I mean, I've been saying this since my nonprofit days in terms of resharing content. How many of you remember something you saw on Instagram six months ago or a video you watched six months ago, ago. right? You know, like (laughs) there is value in resharing trainings or webinars or things that you did before people need the reminder. People maybe weren't in the headspace to really process it six months ago, but now it's more relevant for them. So just because you like, quote unquote, did it before doesn't mean that there isn't value in repeating it and driving it
0: home and doing it again and doing it even better than the last time. Mm, Yeah. I agree with that. And I think that's also something related to like new offers. Like I often see people launching something brand new, like their first course. And they're like, well, my first launch wasn't like this big explosion. Like I need to fix all these things. And like, yes, there could be possibly things you need to tweak, but like, don't you think there's like this, this self-awareness stage of like, this is what the offer is. This is like Mm -hmm. when you can buy it. Like this is now that I'm launching. Like, don't you think that's an important component in that too? Oh, education is a huge, huge huge piece of
1: launching, especially if it is a high ticket item, you know, and maybe you've never done that before. If you're launching something that's a thousand dollars and it's something you've never really taught before, like it's something you're an expert at and you do as a service, but you've never taught it. It's going to take people a while to trust that. You know, I've been, I've been doing some customer research for a brand who's new to the space and we've been talking to people within the industry and we're saying, you know, would you pay this amount of money for this? Would you what what would get you to participate? And every single person said I need to see that there is proven success of past people and I need to know that if I invest not only my money but my time in participating in this that I'm going to have a good result. So, you know, if your first launch isn't amazing, which is normal, that's probably a big reason why people want to wait until other people have done it first. A lot of us are not early adopters by nature. That's big yeah. risk. So they're going to wait to see how the other people did. And then they'll then they'll pop on the bandwagon.
0: Absolutely. And I think that, I feel like, I know we're talking about launching, but I think mm-hmm. that relates to people getting like so excited to launch and market that they don't focus enough on the actual like client, customer, student experience, which mm-hmm. honestly should be like the first thing selling your offers when you're launching. And it sounds like that's what you focused a lot on with Marie is that it was like, okay, what happens if they're doing this when they're checking out and what happens when they're in this program Like that's almost like even more important than like the launch tactics that you're using.
1: You know, I am not that person by nature. I am a messy action type of person. Like, let's just get it up. Let's throw some spaghetti at the wall and see what works. And (laughs) I was so fortunate to have team members that I worked with who said, okay, but can we consider these like 37 things? (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. I guess we should. And (laughs) And I think that's actually really important is understanding what your gut instinct is to do in terms of customer experience and having somebody else who you can lean on to, you know, bounce things off of and say, okay, but did you think of these things? And whether that's someone that you employ or someone who is a friend in this world to say, hey, just, just think about these things before you push the go button and challenge you to make it an even better product, even if it takes an extra couple hours. Definitely. I love that.
0: ever feel like you're constantly looking for new content ideas on Instagram. That's why I've created this free video resource that you can download with 15 strategic Instagram video content series ideas for rinse and repeat reels, Instagram videos, stories, and lives with weekly series to nurture and convert your audience. So not only do I give you detailed content outlines for 15 days of content for all the major types of Instagram video, there's also a bonus training with visuals and examples and extra tips if you're wanting to boost the retention and engagement on your video content. So be sure to download the guide at shinewithnatasha.com video, or I've linked it in the show notes for you. Now let's get back into the episode. I want to touch on marketing tactics, platforms next, because I love how you kind of mention leveraging your strengths when it comes to choosing what you're going to kind of use when selling, mm-hmm. launching your offers. So are there ones that you like really prefer, think are really great, kind of give some ideas for people? Are there ones that you think just like don't work anymore? Ones that you think are underrated, which I know I'm thinking of one that we've talked about a lot. So kind of just break some, some down for us. Well, I think the best
1: platform for you is the platform that you like the most yes. and that you are the most comfortable using. At the end of the day, they're all the same. They all, have little differences. You know, like I personally love Kajabi and I hate Kartra. Like if I have a client who comes to me with Kartra, I'm like, ugh, just like stresses me out. Yeah. But people love it. And like, there are a lot of people I know and I have worked with who like power their business off of Kartra and they won't leave. I'm like, all right, you know what? If you, it makes you happy, fine. Like your deliverability is good. Fine. Yeah. But for me, like I I have an unnecessary amount of tools that I use to run my business because I, (laughs) it's just who I am. Like I am a tech junkie and I have one email platform, one course platform, one checkout platform. I use something entirely different to do my opt-ins. Like everything is different for me. I actually just onboarded my OBM not too long ago. And she's like, why do you have all of these things? And I'm like, I don't know how to not have all of these things because <laughs> it's just quarter. like this, what I come from. And and I'm used to these massive budgets That it's just like, yes, you use all of these tools, but it's whatever works for you and makes you happy. I think also think towards the long-term life cycle of your business. For me, I, like I mentioned, I use a different cart. Like I use Thrivecart. And part of the reason why I use Thrivecart for my checkout is because it is not connected to any other platforms. And because I have a membership, if I decide to move my membership from one platform to another platform in a year, I don't have to interrupt anyone's billing cycle. It can just continue going. I can move them. Their service won't be interrupted and they'll just get on board and onto another thing. You know, same sort of thing with, if you have a payment plan for your course, if you decide to switch course platforms, but you're using that course platform to take payments and run payment plans, you're stuck with that payment plan. And then it's just like chicken and egg, okay, well, do I have new people pay on the new platform and move them over and then wait to move the other people until their payment plans over in six months? So that might not be the right fit for you and your business, but that was one of the considerations I took when I decided why to use that for my shopping cart. So Mm -hmm. But it's about what you like. Like I have friends who really hate Zapier and they look at my Zapier account and they're like, how how does your brain work this way? And for me, it just does. And it all makes sense to me. If something breaks, I know how to fix it. And that's my level of comfort. If that is not for you and you have Kartra and you love it because it does your checkout and your landing pages and your email and your course hosting, great. Like Mm. keep rocking it, like make your life happy. What did I say was a platform that was underrated?
0: I can't remember. Well, I'm thinking of like mar- like marketing content. And I feel like SMS is something we've talked oh, a yeah, lot about. SMS, <laughs> Yes. And I feel like that's something that like it's you think of it in, in terms of e-commerce. I feel like whenever we talk about it, you just have always so many great ideas for like online business owners that maybe have digital products or programs for using it. I mean, it's just such a way to
1: reach customers. I think the stat is like of text messages are opened within the first two minutes or something. One of my best friends from college works at Community, which is a texting app, if any of you aren't familiar. So I get all these fun stats from her every once in a while, but, you know, it's a really great way to reach people immediately and just let them know you're doing a sale, get feedback on an offer, you know, do anything in a way that is differently saturated than email. Mm -hmm. because of that, I think unsubscribe rates on SMS tend to be a little higher than email because it's a more sacred space to a lot of us than our email is. But you can do so much cool stuff on there and just reach people in a more unique and immediate way. And that works really well if you're doing a launch. Like you can run a whole challenge over text message, like sending a daily text message in the morning, reminding them to do something, you know, like people are actually going to read that versus... I don't know about you, I get like, I have a whole folder that all of my emails from other like people in this space go into, I probably have at least 50 of them that I get a day because I sign up for everyone's newsletter Yeah, and like things get missed. You know, there are, there are some emails I always read. Like I always read your newsletter. Like there's always, there's some that I always read, but a lot of them like just go straight in the trash unless the subject line is interesting to me. And SMS, like people are just pretty much always going to open it. So it's just, it's a cool channel to leverage but I think you have to be much more careful with fatigue and annoying people than you do on email. So you have to be really judicious with how you use it.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really great point. And in terms of like webinars, challenges, Instagram, email, like, I just feel like there's so many options. Like, are there things that you always include for client launches? Are there things that maybe like worked really well before, but they're kind of just like meh now, like I know launching and marketing is evolving so much. So I'm just curious mm-hmm. what your take are on all those things that I feel like are pretty popular. I love a webinar. I've always loved a webinar.
1: I don't think they perform as well as they did a year or two ago, but I still think they perform really well. And the reason for that is in a webinar, you are teaching for like a whole hour maybe not, maybe teaching for like 20 minutes and selling for 30, but you know, whatever we get the point. And, you know, during that time, especially if whatever you're selling is delivered over video, this is a way to introduce your audience to how you are as a teacher, as a speaker, as a person who is sharing information with them. So if you can achieve transformation for them in 30 minutes and teach something really specific, really tangible, and they feel like they have, accomplish something for free in a short period of time, or for a small dollar amount, if you're doing like a paid workshop, then that's going to go a long way to helping convert people because you, you have already helped them find that success. So going back to what we were saying a couple minutes ago about testimonials and people wanting to know that they are going to find success. If you can help them find that success during that webinar or workshop, whatever, you know, that will, go a long way towards helping convince people that they should buy whatever you are trying to sell. So that's why I like webinars when they are done the right way and they do still work. There's just a lot more saturation in this industry now. And Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot less mystique around what does and doesn't work that people know when they're going onto a webinar, they're like, all right, what are you going to sell me at the end of this? Right. And I actually even advise my clients, like be upfront about that now. You know, when you invite people to join and say, Hey, full disclaimer, I'm going to be talking about my membership on this, but I'm also going to be teaching about this really great thing. And you're going to come away with knowledge. In addition to that, if you don't want to buy totally fine, no pressure, but I am going to be talking about both and giving that same caveat when you start the class, Hey, if you stick around until the end, I'm going to tell you about my new membership and I'm going to tell you why you should join. Just putting that all out on the table. Okay. Now let's get to the information, (laughs) you know? and people appreciate honesty. They don't want to be tricked. You know, they want you to be honest with them. Challenges, I think are fun. Challenges work, I think for the same exact reason. You can achieve success and transformation for your audience in a short period of time for a specific thing. You know, that is what is really moving the needle. So it's about finding the right activity for you to concentrate the people on your list and bring in some new people for whatever this activity is that you're doing, get them excited, get them to find success
0: in your education style and then convert them. Yeah. So that would be kind of the goal and recommendation for everyone is like, give them some type of success, like a quick win through some type of resource webinar challenge, a really great freebie kind of squishy Mm -hmm. face. (laughs) And then make sure you're building your list with it. Get them on a list. So then you can send some emails, giving them more details, touching on a lot of touch points. Mm -hmm. That feels like the like bare minimum when you're launching and just supporting content on Instagram or wherever else you're creating (laughs) social media content. Right. Yeah. And, and be talking about it everywhere.
1: No one should ever be able to say, I didn't know you had something on sale and not in the sense that you're being annoying, but in the sense of just like, oh yeah, you're selling this thing right now. And it's it's not for me, but that's okay. You yeah. know, always tell people you have something that they can buy. They're following you because they like what you have to offer, whether that's free or paid. And this just happens to be the paid version. So tell them about it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I want to talk a little bit more about automations. How can people make launching easier because I think launching gets this bad rep of being very exhausting and that you're always going to burn out, which I think can very much be the case. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there's ways to launch smarter, which I feel like you've shared a lot of great ones already. So like, what are some other ways that maybe people can leverage automations or other resources when they're launching? Well, at the simplest level, create all of your content in advance and schedule it so that, you know, you're
1: not doing it day of night before a lot of people do that. And that leads to a lot of stress, a lot of frustration, a lot of, Oh my God, I'm so tired, but I have to write something for tomorrow. And I don't even know what I'm going to say. And I guess, well, just, it is what it is, you know, like you're, you're not going to put out your best work product. So that's at a very simple automation level, just getting everything created and scheduled is just going to be a huge stress reliever. Yes. From a customer experience perspective, automating the entire onboarding process, sending them a really cute, thoughtful, welcome email, you know, that goes out immediately. A lot of times that does go out automatically based on what cart you use, but customize it, personalize it, make it feel like your brand, make it feel like you, um, sending them a follow-up message two days later, you know, I, I worked for Sophia Amoruso on her course business class and helped her launch that. And as part of her welcome sequence for new students, the immediately you get like a big ass long welcome message with like every single thing you might ever need to know. And then a day later, you got a follow-up from her customer service lead saying, Hey, how are things going? Have I seen you inside the community yet? Come introduce yourself. And it's just like a, Okay, now that we've gotten through the overwhelm of all of the important stuff, mm-hmm. let's just make sure you're inside. Like come say hey. And I think actually that specific message, I I don't know this, this is just anecdotal, but I think is one of the reasons that her community as part of her course is so successful. There is that additional touch point saying, Hey, come hang out with us, come spend time here. So having those sorts of messages that are just automated are a great way to just have a better customer experience. And notifications for yourself, you know, whether that's, I mean, I've done text, like text messages to myself whenever I make a sale or messages in a Slack channel, when it's part of a bigger team, which is a really great way to celebrate sales coming in, automating messages. If you have a payment plan, sometimes your payment processor will do this for you, or you might need to use Zapier, but messages to yourself that, Hey, somebody's payment plan has failed. You should follow up with them. You know, and you can have a regular automated message sequence that is different than the the system one. Something that's a little more thoughtful and personal, but actually having that human touch point saying, "Hey, like, what's going on? Can I help you get back on track? Do you need a different payment plan? How can I support you?" You know, I think actually around money, this is like a slight tangent, but people feel a lot of embarrassment around not having enough money to pay for something that they signed up for, so. You know, don't guilt people because their credit card failed. Like Mm -hmm. we've probably all been there. We're all entrepreneurs. you have all had like tough months where we just like didn't have a ton of extra cash. So how can you support them through that process instead of being like, no, you owe me money. You have to pay me, you know, like how can you win that customer for life? So for me, automation is about how to not only make my life easier as a business owner, but my customers
0: experience just 20 times better and more seamless. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I feel like that kind of goes into like the prep of launching. I'd love to kind of hear like in the timeline leading up to a launch, what are things people should be thinking of? When should they start thinking of it? I know we've had some very um, fun rants about this, especially with Carson <laughs> of like, okay, yeah, let's not do it the the month before, definitely yeah. not the week before, <laughs> So what does that look like? Um, I know you love ClickUp, so we can even talk a little ClickUp game, Click anything <laughs> along the lines of that. When you said like plan your content ahead of time, I was like, I, that's my favorite sentence in forever. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, so in my membership, this was literally the class that
1: we did yesterday was planning I for it. 2022. I, this is kind of late to be, pl- we're recording this in November. November is kind of late to be planning for 2022, but it just happened to be, I I just launched my membership. So it was when we did it, but you know, at least the year before would be great in an ideal world. And you don't have to plan everything the year before, but you know, looking at those 12 months and saying, okay, this is when I'm going to launch in which month. And from there, making a list of all the things that have to happen for those launches, you know, do they need a new freebie? Do you have to create the course or a program or a product whatever it is? Do you want to do a webinar for any of those? Do you want to do a challenge? Like what are all of the pieces that you need? Does it need a new sales page? Does it need just refreshed copy? So that you can understand the level of effort that's required for all of those launches to be successful. And you know, just take a day and just Close your email, close your Slack, just close everything and just focus on brainstorming all of your ideas for this. It's going to evolve. This is not, you know, a list that you have to like stick to and like it's exactly what you have to do, but just listing it all out and then going from there and even going task by task and writing even more. Like, okay, we need a new sales page. So, copy has to be written copy has to be approved. If you're hiring it out, I have to approve the copy. You know, I have to do a wireframe. I have to, you know, hire a designer. It has to get built. It has to get QA. What are every single little step that has to happen? It seems a little overwhelming sometimes when we do that because we look at it and we're like, oh my God, it's 150 tasks. And how am I possibly going to get it done? But from a planning perspective, It lets you know, okay, how much time do I actually need to do this? This isn't for six months. It gives me so much time. I can tackle like one area a month and it'll feel manageable. It'll get done. Or I need to hire help. Who do I want to hire? Let me email them now and see when they're available. Because as I'm sure we all know, service providers book up, you know, you, you cannot email them three weeks before and say, Hey, can you build my sales page for me for my (laughs) program that launches next month? You, you don't have time in your schedule. What do you mean? So this just allows you to plan ahead and allows you to have those big dreams. And I, I've i had clients that I've launched with who said to me, like, something's wrong. Like, I'm not stressed. I am not worried. And I'm like, no, nothing's wrong. Like you prepared.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know,
1: and it it gives you the space to be. Present in your launch and to talk to customers in the DMs to do the things you can't automate, you know, and actually help close sales. When, whenever I'm running a launch, I plan nothing for that client during the week of the launch except making sure the launch goes well. Like that is my task for the week, you know, and that's how it should be because stuff goes wrong. You know, this, like I've had to do like mid pivot bonuses and, you know, just to like have a boost of sales or. You know, we add a last minute webinar because we need some extra traffic or whatever. And you you need the space for that. Or on the flip side, you could like get sick during the week of your launch. Like I did with mine and I like got sick and threw out my back and was in bed for the first three days of my launch. And it was fine. Like I still closed sales. I had a better launch than I was planning and it was great. Just ran on its own.
0: Yeah. I think I think planning, especially for people that maybe it's not as natural for, can feel like the stressful part, but I really do think that is like the missing part of so many launches because Mm -hmm. when you're launching, you switch into like excited and selling and launching mode. You're not Mm -hmm. in creating, planning, like kind of that admin mode. And I think it's important that you're not combining the two because that's what makes it where you're juggling too much. And I do think that launches need to be agile in the way of like, sometimes Mm -hmm. you need to pivot. Sometimes you need to change. Sometimes things are going really well and you want to highlight that or leverage what's working really well. So I, I love how you kind of broke that down of just like dump it all in there and then timeline it out. Like make deadlines on it, create a, a checklist for you. And I think it makes you more realistic with not only Mm -hmm. how much support do I have, how much support can I get, but how much time do I have to actually hit my launching deadlines and also giving a little wiggle room because like things happen.
1: Things happen. And it's, I think it's also important as you're making that list note the things that are nice to have versus the things that are needs to have. For example, when I launched my membership, I really wanted to launch it with three classes already recorded and inside. I didn't want people to join an empty membership. And lo and behold, I did not do that because I just ran out of time, but I knew like those were a nice to have. I knew that that wasn't going to really seal the deal. It was just like a nice little bonus to be able to toss in for my new members. And I could have stressed myself out and like worked three weekends, but I didn't want to. I had clients I had to pay attention to. I wanted to take, like, I try to never work on Saturdays. It's always my goal, whether I do it or not, it's a different story, but you know, I try not to work on Saturdays at all. And I wanted to give myself that space to be a person outside of my business. And by noting those things ahead of time and, you know, having current you do that for future you of, okay, if you don't get to this, it's all going to be okay. We can do that for next time. Like, that's great. Good, good job. Good for you. Just give yourself some grace. Let, let life happen and know that just because you didn't do it for this launch, you can do it for the next one. And if you're launching something new, you don't have to go like bananas with all like spending a ton of money on an untested, unproven product, you know, go super lean, go simple, go with what, you know, works when you launch something for the first time and see if people even want it before you like overinvest a ton of time. And you can, you can find that out with market research I and mean, there's other things you can do to gauge interest, but just because people say they want something doesn't mean they're actually going to buy it.
0: Yeah. I I totally agree. So many great insights there of kind of just like giving yourself that permission slip if you need it to like do it a little bit leaner, do it a little Mm -hmm. bit easier, not do the thing that absolutely isn't necessary. I think that is super helpful for people that are listening. And as we kind of wrap up, I know we talked about all the launching things, Mm -hmm. but is there like any tips or strategies that we missed that you think are really important or that you want to share or pass along or encourage with listeners, especially as they're listening to this at the beginning of a new year. And maybe they're thinking, (laughs) crap, I kind of haven't done any of this for 2022 launches. So like, where do I even start? You're not behind number
1: one. I think we all need that permission slip every once in a while. You are not behind and someone, there is always somebody who wants to be where you are today. So don't, don't let other people's success or other people's, you know, where they are dampen the energy that you have for where you want to take your business. And alongside that, always trust your gut. I think a big thing that I hear when people do consults with me or even in DMs or on sales calls, people say, well, So and so told me to do this, or I took so and so's course and they said to do this, and it didn't really feel right, but that's what they said to do, and and it didn't work. Like you know your business better than anybody else. Like that, I actually anytime I do an audit with somebody, that is the first thing I say to them. These are my recommendations as a launching and marketing expert, but you know your business better than I ever will. So if something I am saying doesn't feel right, let's talk about it because what you take away from this has to work best for you in your business. Like I'm not touching it. I'm just giving you like, this is just a consult. So trust yourself, you know, you, you will always be the best expert in you and your business. So lead with that and make decisions
0: with that in mind, and that will lead you to the best success. Mm-hmm. I love that. So powerful. Um, we'll definitely let everyone know where they can connect with you, learn more about your membership, learn more about launching. Cause I'm sure they're like, I love Audrey. I want more. <laughs> you can find me
1: on Instagram at LaunchBFF. And my website is launchbff.com. We've got a great blog over there, we've got a membership. I will give Natasha the link to my launch recipe cards to put in the show notes. They are, it is this, it's, God, it's like really long. It was like so long when I did it. I was like, God, I should really charge for this, but it's really great. And it, they're like literally recipe cards for different types of launches that you could do, whether it's a right. webinar, or a challenge, a beta launch and all the steps you need to consider. So we'll put that in the show notes for you. But yeah, I'm I'm all about making launching less stressful, more simple and therefore more successful. So if that's something you're looking for, come hang out with me.
0: I love it. So much goodness in this episode. I'm so excited for everyone to listen to it and we will leave all those goodies in the show notes, but thanks for hanging with me on the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you love the gem shared. Be sure to check out any of the important links I mentioned in the episode show notes. Don't forget to follow the show to be the first to know when our next episode airs. If you loved what you heard, I'd so appreciate it if you left us a review as it really really help support the show. I love seeing your takeaways from the episode over on the gram. So be sure to tag me in your stories at shine with Natasha. Remember, regardless of where you're at in your entrepreneurship journey, there's always room for your biz to shine. See you next time.